Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. Well, let's go ahead and look in uh, Psalm 92. And uh, we're in a series called Thrive. Everybody say Thrive. And hopefully you're getting that point by now. And um, it's just important that if you're not convinced that God wants you to thrive, if you're not convinced of that, you need to go through and find the promises of God in his word. Promises will always reveal the heart and the intentions of a person. And um, man, us as people, we're not always able to keep our promises, but sometimes we make promises. And those promises reveal something about what we want and what we desire. And and you're going to see as you read God's promises, all 8,810 of them, you're going to find that they, they really, it's about God helping you and God preserving you and providing for you and protecting you and God making a difference in your life. And I think they all point to the fact that God wants you, just as Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You might have and enjoy it to the full till it overflows, the Amplified Bible says. Amen. So let's read in Psalm 92. This is where we've started out each week. It says, the righteous shall flourish or thrive like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Can we get an amen for God's word today? And our bottom line that you have to kind of cross this line to get into the rest of it all is this. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. And that's where in our thinking, sometimes we hold back and say, well, because of this or that or where I was born or who I am or my color or my size or my name or my background or whatever, you know, I could never thrive. And that would be a lie of the devil. And you know what you need to do with the lies of the devil? You need to get rid of them and replace them with the truth of God's word. Amen. And we just read to you some real rich imagery out of scripture here about these trees that, that thrive. Now, let me, let me say this. There are reasons, practical and spiritual reasons why a person would thrive or not thrive. And I tell you that every week, but I want you to, to understand that. You know, there are reasons why if, if you're cooking something and it goes bad, there would there probably be some reasons. Maybe you're not a good cook. Maybe you left something out or you bought the bargain brand or one of the ingredients or, or whatever it would be and it just did not. There would be a reason why. Or there'd be a reason why something is so good. Or somebody that's really good at a sport or a musical instrument or something. There's reasons for that. They have, they have talent. They've practiced. They've, they've honed that craft. And the other's not so good. There's reasons for that. Okay. And uh, maybe they worked really hard, but they absolutely have no talent, you know. And so it's, it's virtually predictable in just about everything in life why something's going well and why something's not going well. It's true. Now, that does not position us then to be a judge of anybody, but we can learn from one another. And we have to look, look at ourselves too. Now... This imagery of the trees and, and a tree that's thriving, it continues to, to bear fruit. Keep this in mind. It is God who plants them. It is God who supplies and provides the water and the sunshine and the nutrients. It's God who set up the whole system where it takes in carbon dioxide and lets off fresh oxygen. And, you know, all of that, how all of that works, God set that all up. And then I'm reminded at, out of Isaiah 55 that... The prophet Isaiah said this, 
he said that the mountains and the hills will break forth into singing. And get this. And the trees of the field. Does anybody know? Trees of the field will what? They clap their hands. And, you know, and it's kind of like some of those scary movies where the trees start to move. But, but no, no, it's not that. This is what I believe. And that word clapped is, is a Hebrew word that actually means to praise, to thank, to exult. And so this, this is what I think. I think nature knows. Creation praises the creator. You know, we see other places in scripture too about the birds singing and the waves clapping and the winds blowing and, and the colors of the season and all of those things. I think nature knows. And I think creation praises the creator. And then there's us. And we're at the, we're the top of the food chain, y'all. We're at the top of the totem pole, God's highest creation. And sometimes we think we did it. Or it's due to us or something else. And and we miss out on the goodness of God. So I want to remind you this morning a little bit of the goodness of God. In in James chapter 1, it says that every good and perfect gift comes down from above from our Father. Second Peter, it says that he's given to us everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that we need for life and godliness. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. In Psalm 103, it says uh, that he daily loads us with benefits. In Lamentations 3, it says that his mercies are new every morning. And I could go on and on and on, but how many of you know, just that much proves the point, God is good to us. I want to tell these crew, this crew over here, God is good to us. I got to tell them. God is good to us. Okay, now I I just got to tell you something. I just got to tell you this in front of all y'all. I'm not bragging or nothing, but God is good to me. And now I got to tell you something. God is good to you. He is good to you. Amen. And in this imagery of the tree, bring it real life. Who's the tree? You are. You're the tree. Everybody say, me tree. All right. You are the tree. And just as nature knows and creation praises the creator, God is so good to us. I think we, above anything else, should be people that praise God and give him thanks. And so I do want to talk about one of the keys to thriving uh, is giving thanks. And that's not just because this week is Thanksgiving. Not just because of this Thursday. This should be the way that we do things. This should be part and parcel of your life that you give thanks to God. And you know what else? You also give thanks to people. In Psalm 106 verse 1 it says this. Praise the Lord. Oh, help me out. Give thanks to the Lord for or because what? Say it like you mean it. He is what? He is good for his mercy endures forever. That's, that's really good stuff. And I want to thank him for that. You know, think about it. His mercy was new this morning. I don't know if you needed that. I needed that. Some of y'all are stuck up and religious. Well, good for you. I needed his mercy. How about you? You need his mercy? Guess what? It runs out tomorrow though. Something about Obamacare. It runs out tomorrow. Joking. His mercies are new when? Every morning. And he daily 
loads us with benefits. God is good. And don't make this cliche. God is good all the time. And so it should always be a part of our life that we are grateful to God. And when you live grateful, I'm telling you, you will thrive. I can't tell you that you won't thrive at all if you're not grateful, but I tell you, you're going to be real pale and crispy though. And so I just think it's better to live grateful, not just to say thank you all the time, although that should be said because you don't just think your thanks, you should express them. Remember, it's the fruit of our lips giving thanks, Hebrews says. Amen. But I think it needs to be that you feel it, that you feel that gratitude. Have you ever been in a restaurant? This happened to us on occasion. You're eating in a restaurant and all of a sudden you find out somebody paid your bill. Doesn't that feel good? Somebody paid your bill and they go, well, who was it? And they go, they didn't want you to know. And then other times you go, who was it? And they go, oh, they wanted you to know, you know, that's another sermon for another time. But, um, but who was it? They didn't want you to know. Well, you know what? But you feel grateful. So what we do then in an instance like that is we thank God for them and we thank God and we ask God to bless them. And then you ready for this? And then we bless the server extra. See, sometimes you think that when you get blessed, you're off scot-free. We're actually blessed so that we can be a blessing. And while we're on it, y'all got a minute? If you ever go out to eat or you ever go to a store, okay? Uh, let me just talk about a restaurant here for a moment. And we, we eat out a, a good bit because of schedule and then also because there's hardly anybody at our house to cook for anymore, you know. <laughs> They've all moved away. But um, I had in the last week um, a gentleman that I've known for a number of years and he told me that his son is a server in a restaurant and he said, Dad, I hate working Sunday because of church people. And because we do eat out a, a, a good bit, we've intentionally, we make relationship and have conversation with waiters and waitresses and we try to be good to them and, and uh, treat them right and tip well. And, and it's so often many of them say, hey, could you be praying? Could you, what would you do? You know, that kind of thing. So we actually minister to them some too. And we have them tell us all the time. And I had one tell us this week, said, I just can't stand working on Sunday. Could you please do something about it, pastor? And they said, I just, I hate working when church people come in. Now my happy little mind, I think it's people from all those other churches. I'm probably right, but just in case y'all hear me on this, we're to be known by our love and by our kindness, and by our generosity. And I said, what is it that's the deal? And they said, well, they're bossy, they're mean, they're demanding, and worse than all of that, they're cheap. I had one tell me a while back, she said, I, I can handle people being a little bossy, but then they give a good tip. And my mama taught me this, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out to eat, okay? So I just want to throw all that in, okay? And if you go out and you're mean, don't wear anything, carry anything at all that says Meadowbrook, okay? At all. All right, now back to our program. Did y'all hear me? All right. 
Well, we above all people are blessed and should be grateful. Every one of us are more blessed than we are hurt. We're more helped than we are hindered. We have more sunny days than rainy days. Um, Every one of us always have something to be grateful for. God's been good to us. And beyond that, we do know who our source is. We know who to thank. How sad it is when a person thinks that when good comes to them, it just happened random. And then they never feel what I call the lift of feeling gratitude and expressing gratitude. I read something in the last year or so, uh, and it was an interview with uh, several atheists. And they admitted that there are times that they have a moment where they sense and feel that goodness has come to them from beyond themselves and beyond people. I mean, God's merciful to all. They sense that, but because of their frame of beliefs and thoughts, they have no one to thank. And they said, we're not sure what to do with that. They said, it's a moment of conflict. And it is a moment of conflict. And credible studies show that there's elevated rates of suicide and depression among atheists. And Paul talked about it. He said, if you're without God in this present world, you're without hope in this present world. And beyond that is just to know that any goodness that comes in my life, I know where it comes from. Directly or indirectly, any goodness that comes into your life, you know where it comes from. Amen. I think equally sad are those that good comes to them and they don't feel or express gratitude because they somehow feel entitled. Feel like I deserve this. This just comes to me. You, you need to be spanked. You know, and we need to know that all good comes from God. And we need to understand also that we should be thanking God and we should be thanking people because God uses people. How many of you know the devil uses people? Well, God also uses people. Now, don't get all snagged on how the devil's using people right now. You're going to live better and you're going to thrive more if you'll think on the good side and see how God is using people and ask him to use you as well. An unthankful heart is fertile soil for all kinds of sin. Look at this in Romans chapter 1. Because although they, they what? They knew God. They did not glorify him as God. And get this next part. Nor were what? They knew God. And they no longer glorified him as God. And they weren't thankful. Here's where you take the wrong turn. Look at this. But became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. It blunted everything about them that helped them to respond and to see and to realize things. It perverted their way of thinking. And this passage, if you keep on reading, goes on to outline 28 specific sins in a digression that happens because they weren't grateful. And all of those sins, none of them are without consequence. And it's kind of a window into our culture today. There are things going on in our world, in our culture, and down the street, and even at your house. And how do we get to that point? I'm telling you how we get to that point is when we stop thanking God. Do not underestimate how important it is to feel gratitude and express gratitude to God and to people around you. Can I get an amen this morning? Look at this in Luke chapter 17. We're going to read a number of verses here. It says, now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 
Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, and please note this because we're going to come back to this, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, watch this, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well or whole. Now, let's look at a couple things here. First of all, there's... 10 lepers. And leprosy is a horrible disease that was much more rampant in that day. And there were certain restrictions and guidelines that once you were diagnosed with in order that this not spread because it was contagious, certain things you had to do. You had to keep your distance. There was a certain margin that you, you could not encroach upon. And you were to warn others if they started to encroach upon it. Uh, many times they would have a bell or they would have to yell. They had to wear clothes that were ripped. That was a requirement. They had to let their hair hang. And if they spoke, they had to cover their top lip. And a lot of times they had to yell because people were at a distance. They lost everything. They lost their families. They lost their, their uh, means of living, their business. They lost their place in the community, in the temple. They, they lost everything and they were outcast in every way. So not only are they feeling what they're feeling, the, the pain and the, the absolute terror that would come with, with the uh, leprosy, but all the other things. Think about it emotionally and relationally, all the other things that are going on with this. And so these guys are in bad stead, but they had some faith. And faith comes by hearing and they no doubt had heard and I think saw because this wasn't that big of a region that they were in and it's kind of hilly and mountainous in places and uh, scripture tells us that at times Jesus would be ministering and whole villages would empty out into the countryside so I think they dodged the crowds and probably poised themselves on some kind of vantage point to be able to watch and to see what was going on and they watched how Jesus fed multitudes they saw how he raised the dead, how he caused the lame to walk. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the blind to see. And you know what else he did? He caused lepers to be cleansed. And so they said, and he's coming to a city near us. And so when he approached, they yelled out to him with a loud voice. And when he saw them, he go, okay, I've got 10 lepers here. He gave him a command, an imperative. And he said, go show yourselves to the priest. The priests in a lot of settings were the only equivalent they had to a physician as well. And so as they went, this was a, a procedure under Levitical law that if you thought you were clean from leprosy, you had to go show yourself to the priest. And there were several measures and tests that he would do to see if you were in, in fact clean. And he would declare if you were cleansed or not cleansed. And the scripture says that as they were going, everybody say as they were going. As they were going, they were cleansed. It's incredible. Now, can you imagine you and your crew, you know, these 10 guys and they're, they're going along and they're, they're probably quite a mix. The scripture points out that this 
One was a Samaritan. How many of you know when you're hurting, you don't care what everybody else is, you know? And so this new motley little crew, and they're going along. And as they're going, they're cleansed. And this one, and I want, I want to point this out in um, verse 15 and 16 in the message paraphrase. It reads so well. It says, one of them. Everybody say one of them. Now, l- let me just pause for a moment here. It is said that in every story, every commercial, every movie, any whatever, you always put yourself in the story. You know, and until this point, I didn't want to be anybody in the story. But I want to be this guy. I want to be this guy. Now, it says one of them, when he realized that he was healed or cleansed, get this, turned around and came back shouting, everybody say shouting, shouting his gratitude, which means what? He had gratitude and now he's expressing it, glorifying God. Verse 16, he kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. Everybody read that with me. So grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. He recognized two things. He recognized, first of all, that he was healed. And secondly, he recognized who healed him. And then he went about an intense expression of gratitude. Wouldn't you? I said, wouldn't you? I mean, if that was you and you suddenly were cleansed, would you just do? Well, praise the Lord. Wouldn't you? I mean, just think right now if your top two problems, think of your top two problems. What if suddenly it's taken care of? Would you just go, well, praise the Lord. I hope not. Y'all ever watch Price is Right? And it's okay. It's okay to express yourself and be grateful. Don't you dare just think your thanks and don't dumb it down and make it so distinguished. I'm telling you, I'd be jumping around. You'd be making some noise. I'm telling you, you'd be making some, y'all are all dignified this morning, but I'm telling you, God, God, get in your business in that way. You'd be giving him some thanks. Amen. Amen. You need to get thrilled more. You, you need to just see, wow, thank you, God. My wife, she's got an anointing for parking spots. I just don't have that kind of faith. You know, and then she gets one right up by the door and she just real sweetly, thank you, Lord. And I'm going, what's the deal? She's not feeling good today. Um, she's, she's at home. Y'all really pray she feels better because... Y'all don't want me think cooking on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Did that sound selfish? All right. Let's keep going. So in verse 17 and 18, Jesus expresses surprise. Almost I feel disappointment that only one came back to give him thanks. He even said he, he, three sentences. He goes, weren't, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? It, Why did only one come back? And I don't think that we can, quote, discourage God. But I really see that there's the potential of disappointing our Savior in that. That he would be so, y'all hear me, so good to us. And then we just keep going on on our business. 
We'd better pay attention, stop, turn around, come back, and give some thanks. Amen. And then in verse 19, he says this. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well or whole. Let's break this down just a little bit. First of all, he says, arise, which just commonly just means get up now. Arise, get up now. Why did he have to get up now? Because he, the scripture says, he bowed, he knelt by Jesus. And Jesus said, get up now. But I, I think it's more than just get up now. Because Jesus says, your faith has made you what? Well or whole. Now the other nine, what did they get? As they were going, they were cleansed. They were healed. I think that's outwardly. I think that's outwardly. And so he's kneeling outwardly. So yeah, Jesus is saying, get up now. But I also think something happened inwardly. Because this is different here. Something happened inwardly. And I think Jesus is saying to him, get up now on the inside. Because you're no longer a leper on the outside. I want to make sure you're no longer a leper on the inside. I want to make sure that even though it's all cleaned up on the outside, you're not dragging around still feeling like an outcast. Think of all you've been through emotionally, psychologically, relationally, just all the things you've been living in the elements. You're outcast. People mock you. They throw you their trash. You have to look the way you look, and I've cleaned you up on the outside now. And I don't want you to just get up now on the outside. I want you to get up now on the inside. And then he says, go your way. Everybody say, go your way. He's not saying get out of here. He's saying, go live your life. Go back to your life. Go back to your family. Go back to what you had. Go, go live this life because your faith has made you well or whole. This this is a Greek word, sozo, S-O-Z-O. And it means healed. It means forgiven. It means whole. It's a verb in the Greek here. And it doesn't really indicate to us which it is, but it can be used for physical or it can be used for spiritual. And the language really doesn't tell us. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard all kinds of sermons on this. What happened here? I don't know. And Luke doesn't describe for us what happened here. And so not totally sure what happened to him right here, but I can tell you this. Whole is way better than just cleansed. And the difference between whole and cleansed, let me put it this way. Car fixed is better than car washed. Okay. And so I don't know entirely what all happened there. I've I've heard, like I said, I've heard all kinds of sermons and conjecture and what all happened there. But I just know that something happened outside. I know that something happened inside. And whole is way better than just cleansed. And the difference that brought about from going from cleansed to whole was expressed gratitude. Expressed gratitude. You got nine other guys walking on cleansed. Awesome. But you got one who realized it and realized who did it. And he stopped and he turned around and he came back and he gave thanks. And he moved from just cleansed to whole. He went from just something on the outside to something also on the inside. Because we can put anything on the outside. You can fix anything on the outside. But it's from the inside that it really matters. And this wholeness came to him from the Savior. But the thing that completed his faith, he said, your faith has made you well or whole. Listen, faith is incomplete without gratitude. Amen. 
You might want to write that down. Faith is incomplete without gratitude. Every one of those lepers had faith. Remember I had you kind of mentally mark it earlier? They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They had faith. But what completes faith is gratitude. And when God does something for you, whether you asked him for it or he did it out of his mercy for you, you need to stop, you need to turn around, you need to come back, and you need to give him some thanks. Amen? Amen. And I don't think you fully thrive if you're not living in gratitude and expressing gratitude. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, Again, we sing that song this morning, come light the fire again. I want to feel gratitude. I want to recognize it. Y'all hear me? I want to recognize it. Even small things from strangers or your spouse, the people around you, whatever it would be, you should experience it. God help our hearts to feel it again so that we don't become, y'all know we're the most blessed people on this planet. But remember the difference between being spoiled and being blessed is being grateful. And I don't want us as a people, as a church, as individuals, as a country, I don't want us to be spoiled. I want us to be blessed. And what makes us blessed is we recognize good and we recognize who did it. And we express gratitude in that way. Amen. You don't fully thrive if you're not living in and expressing gratitude. So I just want to encourage you as we close this morning. Pay attention. Pay attention. When you realize, wow, God's been good to me. And God uses people. God's been good to me. Then turn around. Come back. And give thanks. Thank God. And thank people. You're going to blow some people's minds when you start thanking them. I mean, genuine, not just robotic. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But genuinely, thank people. Listen to this quote. I love this quote. It's by Ellen Vaughn. She's a writer, inspirational writer. It says, the rhythm, watch this, the rhythm of divine renewal. That's what makes you thrive. The rhythm of divine renewal beats in the pulse of a purposefully grateful human heart. I'm going to read it again. The rhythm of divine renewal beats in the pulse of a purposefully grateful human heart. Make it your business to pay attention and feel that gratitude and express that gratitude. And when you live grateful, you're going to thrive. Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Live grateful and thrive. Now, in raising five kids, um, you know, when we first started out raising five kids, we didn't know how many kids we would have. We didn't know if we'd be good at it. Y'all remember having your first one? I mean, I remember waking Lee up, make sure he was still breathing, you know, at least you go, let him sleep. You know, I didn't know. You know, and we were like, is the diaper on too tight or too loose? You know, you don't know anything when you start out. And we had books. We did not have the internet because it was last century. <laughs> we couldn't Google things. We didn't have apps for things. We just had a couple of books and you pray. And we didn't know. And I made all kinds of promises, especially to Lee. You know, if you, if you finish third grade, I'll buy you a car. You know, because 
Because in my family, when you finished third grade, you were old enough to drive. So. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, <laughs> you know, little things that we would do, you get them all out of the minivan, and I'd say, white line, white line, and they'd hop out and get on the parking line. Why, why'd we do that? You know, were we trying to create some kind of family act or something? No, no. I just want to keep them safe. And there'd be another car pull up and the door would open and kids would just pop out. You know, just running all over the place, you know. And my kids are like, looks like they're having fun. <laughs> but you're safe. And we'd hold hands, you know, and we'd walk and do all that. And then over the years, you know, things, little different issues. And then they're starting to compare and they go, but so-and-so's mom lets them do this or their dad does that or... That family always, I said, listen, we love them or we don't know them or whatever it would be. And I said, but you know what? You're in this family. And in our family, it's the way we do this. This is the way we do this in our family. And you know what? The message I've just given to you, it's not for Thanksgiving week. It's not for Thursday. Look at me. This is how we do it in this family. That's how we do it in the Meadowbrook family and at large. That's how we do it in the family of God. Let, why, do, why do we got to be thankful? Others aren't. It's how, we, it's how we do it in this family. And I pray that God just does a softening in every one of us so we just get so aware. You know, I pray that today, and I don't freak them out, okay, but, I mean, we got deputies directing traffic and helping. Thank them. I mean, don't hold up traffic and... Roll down your window. I just want you. No, don't do Okay, don't do that. But, you know, a nod of your head, a smile. You've got people all over helping you. You're going to go eat or you're going to go home or whatever it would be. Let it be our lifestyle. Listen to me again. It's, in this family, that's how we roll. We feel gratitude and we express gratitude. Amen? And when you live grateful... You're going to thrive. You're going to thrive. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning?